Welcome everyone to today's daily directional. These are navigational messages that help keep us pointed in the right direction. I'm Pastor Bethany, and I'm a learner, listener, and noticer of God. This podcast is a part of the Storytellers Collective. You can find us online at www.storytellerscollective.org. All right, we are on day three of this week where we are reading through James chapter one, verses one through 18. Today, I'm going to start with something else and then we'll read it in a little bit. Over and over, I am hit with the concept that God's way and God's kingdom feel very upside down and backward to our natural human instincts. I listened to a sermon on Jacob and Esau just the other day and marveled at God's declaration that the older would serve the younger. Then I stumbled across the gospel passages that say that the kingdom belongs to the humble, that the least will be exalted, and that entrance requires becoming like little children. These are all things that feel upside down. I think about in Acts, where it talks about who are these people who are turning our world upside down. I mention it because repetition is such an important aspect of our noticing and our awareness in our spiritual lives. It, it's one of the things that really helps hone in on how to listen to God's voice and his leading and how to know that it is him. The book of James is sometimes considered wisdom literature. It's actually considered the wisdom book of the New Testament by many scholars. And so like Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are wisdom books in the Old Testament, uh, we can kind of get an understanding of the flavor of the way that James writes, uh, maybe even his intention, if we think about about it like that. So when we Think about James as wisdom literature. It's pretty easy to hear his words in kind of small chunks, right? And we can think of them as a really long list or a huge series of independent different thoughts and warnings. And it can get kind of disjointed feeling. And sometimes that's really helpful. But in other ways, James has a lot of looping, a lot of repetition. And so again, just remember, that's one of the ways that we can hear God. So now I am going to read our passage. This is James chapter one. And today I'm reading it in the new international version, just for us to hear it a little bit differently. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. 
Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So I'd like us to consider the wholeness and the repetition of different themes that happen within the scripture itself, but also to recognize repetitions that show up in our lives. And because of what I mentioned earlier, that I keep running into this concept that God's kingdom is sort of upside down from what we experience in the natural world or in our culture or society, I'm really moved today to talk about verses 9 through 11. This repetitive nature of God's upside downness, it shows up there. See, it says that the humble are to take pride in their high position and the rich in their humiliation. And that life and riches are fleeting, that they fade like wildflowers. And I find myself realizing that this bears a lot of echoes from Ecclesiastes. It reminds me of the teacher there in Ecclesiastes who talks about life being vapor of vapors or being meaningless, meaningless. Life is beautiful for time, he says, but also has this quality of not being a lot or being something you can't really grasp. So I feel James pushing us to acknowledge the blessings, but reminding us to not put too much stock in them. I think James is attempting to remind us of the truth that is expressed in the book of Ephesians, where it says that we're blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. My husband and I were watching the show a couple nights ago alone, and um, one of the participants in it was talking about time and experience that he'd had with indigenous people in Africa. And he just was expressing how he'd noticed how content they are with so little and how lovely and joyful they seemed uh, in the midst of their life that he was aware of as being really harsh and hard. Anyway, there is a rich and lasting spiritual reality that we often miss when we are a part of the wealthy of the earth. So it is wisdom to take ourselves far less seriously and to remember that wildflowers bloom in brilliance. But then like James says, those blossoms fall and their beauty is destroyed. It's fleeting. It's momentary. It's ultimately vaporous. Now I say that this is upside down because we tend to think that we have so much to do that matters so much. I think about myself and deadlines and leaning into the expectations of others. And ultimately, I think it all just points towards consumerism and achievement and maybe not really the heart, heart, heart things that matter. Now, none of this talk is to discourage us. I kind of feel the edge of that discouragement myself. But, but rather, this conversation is to point each of us today toward the deep and the weighty, the real but very often unseen things 
that truly matter in our lives. These, this is the place where we might not be able to point to how we helped someone today, except that we were. We did our assigned jobs with excellence and with love and with gentleness, that we extended peace and mercy to someone, that what we're doing and how we're serving and how it's mattering in other people's lives may not be something that's measurable, but it's still very, very real. More real, maybe, than we could even have any words to describe. I think of one of my dear friends who talks about teaching some pretty difficult little people and how much her job really matters in the lives of these children. And it's true. It does. But maybe that's not something that can be measurably assessed or quantifiably known each and every day. Yet it's still a heart posture that we need to hold on to. So may you rejoice in places of humility today, remembering that God's power will shine through in the midst of your weakness. And may you release your grip on places of richness, of ability and strength and talent that is tangible and is natural, remembering that it is in simply being that you are beloved by God and your life matters. <laughs>